magazine ads featuring ruggedly handsome and raw people saying that love is the law and that we're all equal. It's really selling a scent containing a strange animal gland secretion or a chemical frequently named as the cancer causing agent. You can dance and be vacant. You can bitch about television with shitty stations. You think the answer is to kill my TV? I'll blow your microwave up. It doesn't play DVDs or video cassettes, tapes of inspiring films. It violently rearranges food molecules and kills nutritional content. Traditional heating keeps a modern man's logic from rotting during a power meeting. Moderate well-being just isn't adequate. I must be equipped for no matter how bad it gets. Ambivalent sometimes, but diligently soldering together the suit of armor I dream of modeling. Nobody tries to avenge or resist. Things they do not believe to exist You and I both take advantage of this Every time we speak Will we confirm or deny what is known? Will we condemn or compete for the throne? We are Atlantis, Egypt and Rome We are what we seek I used to holler and hoot because it suited me Participating in various victimless tomfoolery And later on I was elusive and tight-lipped Only surfacing when certain statements required nice quips Now it's a balancing act Different day, different hat You got a picture of an avalanche, I'll look at that Spaghetti dinner at a cattle ranch, I might attend The daily dosage recommended I'll exceed And then I'll send a letter to the manufacturer Stating that I am not a consumer, I am a capturer I'm not affected by things I get outside of If love is light when the night strikes, I would like love Shining a bright Beam blinding an unseen century old entity sent despite my dreams. Before it regains sight, I'm fully awake, stirring its evil energy inside a protein shake. Nobody tries to avenge or resist things they do not believe to exist. You and I both take advantage of this every time we speak. Will we confirm or deny what is known? Will we condemn or compete for the throne? We are Atlantis. Love that song yes welcome back to the house list and to my very special two-part mini-series on grand buffet my name is peter agas and i'm the host and producer of the show thank you for tuning in it's my weekly podcast it's called the house list it's just like the guest list so i marked your name off it you're in the you're in the house now you're in the building you're in the building of lord grunge tonight today on the house list yes it's part two of my very special um, two-parter on Grand Buffet. By now, you may have listened to part one with Jackson, a.k.a. Grape Adon, Mr. Pennsylvania, Mrs. Paintbrush. It was an incredible conversation, uh, especially if you're a fan or knowledgeable of this group, or most likely you saw them live somewhere along the way. I already saw a bunch of feedback on the show, which I posted today. And I'm trying to do this as a, a back-to-back episode so that you can listen to them uh, both um, back to back, if so you choose. They were they were both recorded in person. They're both recorded in Pittsburgh. I just got back to New York City in Brooklyn, New York, where I live, um, and drove back from from Pittsburgh today. I was there for 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 quite a while, a little while, 
was all over the city and I uh, met up with both of the guys in different parts of the city, different times, but we were able to do this and it was an incredible treat after 10 years uh, not really seeing the guys and in the early 2000s we saw a lot of each other. Uh, and if you listen to Jackson's um, story, we, we recollected a lot. So this conversation with Lord Grunge is sort of a continuation of that, although it's, a, it's just from another perspective. So we cover other stuff. We talk about other stuff, all of which you'll find, you'll hear in, the, in this great conversation. Uh, it was dope. He just had a, a newborn uh, baby, beautiful young lady whom I met at the house. And uh, the guy, he's still as brilliant as ever. Both of them are. And I really realized this as I was doing this, or really after I listened to these how much I just um, admire these guys' artistry. You know, they, they just kind of uh, made something hilarious and, and, and brilliant and, and cool out of nothing in a scene that sort of like maybe never really got understood them. And uh, um, I just wanted to, I had to be able to talk to them. And, and we're going to get into this right now. And... Um, but I did want to be able to plug the podcast really quick, especially if this is your very first time listening because of our special guest today, Laura Grunge, as part of my two-parter on Grand Buffet, Pittsburgh's finest duo. Um, this is The Houseless. It's a weekly podcast. Sometimes it's bi-weekly, like this time. And uh, you can find it on iTunes as The Houseless Podcast. It's on SoundCloud as well. And I know a lot of people tend to listen to it that way. Uh, which you can find basically um, at soundcloud.com backslash the houseless podcast. So if you listen to the podcast on a desktop computer or your laptop or something, check it out there. And I urge you to retweet it, repost it, um, and, and share it. Share it freely. If you got a blog or if you just have some friends that don't necessarily listen to podcasts but are old school Grand Buffet fans or maybe someone that you want to put on, uh, just send them this. It's also on Google Play, the Stitcher app, basically wherever you can find podcasts. So you might even want to go back and check out some of them. This is my 32nd episode, so it's still kind of a new thing, but there's some pretty incredible conversations uh, that you can go back and, and check out. Just Ice, um, Todd P., whom we bring up in, the, in, this, in this actual interview, infamous Brooklyn uh, promoter, uh, James Pants, Gary Wilson, Lots of stuff, lots of interesting conversations. So, yeah, do me a favor, check it out. Um, but yes, the guest at hand, the one and only Lord Grunge, sort of the musical uh, backbone, the the muscle, the bass, and the drum, and uh, just a cool dude, hilarious dude. And we, we opened, if you're not hip to the music that I played at the very beginning, I love that song. It's called Dark Autumn. It's from a, uh, an EP that they put out, that Grand Buffet as a group put out, called The Haunted Fucking Gazebo from 2007. But Grunge also released two solo albums uh, a bit later on. 2013, uh, The Tresser, and 2014, Duck Pepper. So I closed the show with a track off of The Tresser. It's actually the album Closer. So those are two. there's two Lord Grunge solo albums. If, you, if you're a hip to Grandma Fan, you didn't know that, seek those out and, and find those joints. They're cool. It's like a, it's a much more heart. It's like a harsher psychedelic version, uh, solo version of, of what he was doing with Grandma Faye. It's cool. It's like kind of like hardcore, sort of dark, industrial 
metal rap rock shit you know <laughs> it's dope though check it out um and yeah with no further ado yeah why don't why don't we sit back uh check it out my conversation with the one and only lord grunge of grand buffet like i was trying to recall for right. my edification how or clarification how you got hip to grand buffet because at the time we had not really toured we didn't have um we really didn't have an album out like there there what just you know we were trying to get momentum going but there and I could not, I could not for the life of me recall how right. you heard of us. So, well, I think uh, I was trying to think about this too because um, just because we because I talked about it with Jackson uh, uh, yesterday, and I think we had a similar moment of confusion where it was like, when did this pick up? Because there was for a few years we saw each other a lot because yeah. you guys were touring a lot, yeah, and you're very active. And we did a, we kind of like sort of collaborated on a few different things too around the time you kind of joined the band for a few shows which is pretty sweet. oh yeah i did i dj'd i think yeah. a couple of shows yeah, yeah yeah so for me it was um i'm pretty sure it was even bef- well before i think i saw you guys play when uh, before i even lived in humble in california in northern california i um was living in portland oregon okay like I moved out west in 99 uh, 90 yeah in ni- late 98 99 early 99 to Portland and I was at a record store and I and I'm pretty sure this is like kind of the trajectory at least the very the the inception of me kind of running across the name is I saw a flyer for a show for Wesley Willis Ah, but I did not I didn't go to the I didn't go to the show but I took the flyer because I was a fan of Wesley Willis right right. I'd been a fan of Wesley Willis when I was even in high school because I mean some of those Records on uh, alternative tentacles work. They came out in the early to mid '90s, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, especially the the one super popular one with the painting, uh, his painting of like the Chicago skyline or something. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, oh shit, I love Wesley Willis, man. I, I can't believe this guy's doing a show because growing up in small town Virginia, I was like, I wouldn't even think that that was a possibility to see him live. Right. right. And then I was like, I took that flyer and I like. Might even hung it up in my room, and uh, like because I was a fan, genuine fan of his. But you guys were on that bill, so I was always like, "Well, I have no idea what that mean, what Grand Buffet means, you know." But and this is '99, I'm pretty sure, or or like right around that '99, 2000. It would have had to have been 2000, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I when I got to Humble, um, I saw that Wesley Willis was playing again. Um, and by this time I was a little more, you know, uh, I was able to go to the show and, um, and it was at the Vista in Eureka where you guys were also the opener. And if I'm not even mistaken, um, I think it was like Thanksgiving. Like, I think I had come back from like visiting my parents for Thanksgiving and I was like racing to get, I was like, I think I flew to San Francisco and I was driving back up to Humboldt. Uh, trying to get to the show to catch to see you guys play or something and uh it's pretty fuzzy i mean this is obviously like almost 20 years ago now and uh and i and i met you guys for the first time at the vista if i'm not mistaken when we were there with uh with west with west yeah but that see this is this is what was confusing me because that was after you had already done the piece in herb Right. So somewhere along the line, I, I you must have connected us out. Yeah. Because that, yeah, because in spring of 2000, 
I mean, I had been a Wesley Willis. We had both been fans for years. Right. But uh, spring of 2000, we crossed, crossed paths with him for the first time. Um, we did two shows with him. I, I told this little story on Heights podcast, but it's it's. Uh, I think we could double dip. It's pretty legit. Yeah, for sure. Um, but so it was <clears throat> uh, the now pretty well established Dan Deacon booked Grand Buffet for a show. Not not having there was no connection between us and Wesley Willis. He was right. booking shows for his college SUNY Purchase, and you know that's what college booking dudes do. They just reach sure. out and grab acts so they booked us for a show with wesley and then complete totally coincidentally then the next day wesley was playing pittsburgh and we had uh we had secured the slot as the local opener so wow. it, was, it was these two back-to-back shows that kind of got us in the good graces with wesley himself and with his manager at the time and th- that particular that weekend i want i think it was like easter weekend i want to say it was easter oh, wow. sunday that we either played we either played New York Easter and then drove back the next day, or or we played New York Saturday, drove back. It was one, something around there. Um, wow! So, so almost seventeen years ago to the day, actually, which is kind amazing. of wild. Yeah, really wild. Um, but so that it wasn't until many months later, but that is what led to the touring with Wesley, and we did two full runs with him. We did one the the fall of that year, right? Um, and I don't believe we made it to the West Coast, and it was early two thousand one when we got to the West Coast with Wesley, and I think that is when we met you for the first time. Interesting. So somewhere along the line, I got Sparkle Classic. That was yeah. the album, right? Yeah, you must have, which is nuts because that album like had only dropped um, not like not long before that. Wait, am I off by a year? I feel like maybe I'm off by a year. I, feel I, like- I know that I still have the black and white glossy uh, that came with the promo CD of you guys. Yeah. Because uh, you painted in your eyeballs. I remember that. <laughs> like the black and white, you know, have the black dots in your eyes. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I don't know if it was the one where you're holding two like giant dildos too. Like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. it. And the reason, it's funny, the eyeballs were painted in. It's so wild, man. It was such a different time. Um, that was actually done because. Like, that was pre... It wasn't pre-digital photography, but it was before it was the norm. Right. It was, like, right before... And there was a local spot where we went, this place called Gemtech, I think, where we would, you know, pay a couple hundred bucks to get a big stack of glossy 8 by 10s Right, right. And the problem was, like, the picture we wanted to use, there was really bad red-eye. We were like, do you guys have a way to, like, correct the red-eye? They are like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> so it was like we paid professionals. Wow. I always they, thought that was just, like, <laughs> that was just, you were just, like, uh, no, just was, fucking with people. We, we paid, like, professional photo guys to right. fix red-eye, and, and red and that was how they did it. All right, my brain's starting to work again. It's coming back. I was off by a year. This makes more sense. This timeline makes more sense. It was fall of 2000 when we dropped Sparkle Classic. It was 16 years ago, almost to the day, when the Dan Deacon-Wesley Willis power combo happened. That was 2001. So fall of that, that year is when we you got in touch with us, and that was when the Herb article Dropped. Right. So, yeah, I wrote an article featuring Herb Magazine. Yeah, uh, which was a big deal because I was actually a fan of the mag, and that was, like, a really big deal. That yeah, and like, at the time, they were, you know, it was a super respectable magazine, one of few that did, like, both, like, uh, 
they did like multi multiple genres, right. you know, where it was like right. electronic music and hip hop and like some kind of forward thinking rock stuff and yeah. So it was like the perfect kind of publication for you guys i feel like it's yeah like a serious like music magazine yeah it, it was killer but I, I i feel like there must have been people there who never would have touched us with a 10-foot pole also though at the oh same time. yeah i don't <laughs> doubt it i was i was uh, elated that they uh, were down to yeah. like let me write it too. no and that that was super cool so that makes more sense yeah so yeah so two early 2002 the touring with Wes happened fall of 2001 and then winter, spring of 2002. So that was when I met you for the first time. Right. At that crazy spot. It was in Eureka. Yeah, the Vista, which was like, and Jackson and I talked about it too. It's interesting to get your two uh, recollections of it because it was such a long time ago too. It was like a, used to be a seafood restaurant that basically turned into like a dive bar that had a tiny little performance room like in the back. It's right on the water in Eureka, uh, California, Northern California. And, um, it's just like in the cut. It's like it was a kind of an isolated venue, so they could have loud rock shows. And it was uh, Michelle Cable, who did Panache Magazine, was like a big promoter in Humboldt. Who then would have their own her own booking agency. I worked at for a while too, but she was the promoter of that show too. That's what's and up. it was uh, yeah, just a, one of many uh, grand buffet performances in Humboldt too. Because for a while, you 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 developed like you know as part of the circuit it was like we kind of would return and play multiple times yeah yeah and it's funny because we ended up seeing you like we didn't know at the time but we ended up seeing you a couple months later when we were there with sage and edon right so that's the that's even more memorable because that was uh, uh the pretty, nicer venue yeah it was this theater it was a repertory theater yeah yeah, yeah which was one that we only uh, that's the only show i ever did uh there um and it was yeah that was so what was the package of that tour too because that was a pretty interesting lineup as well yeah that that was uh us and Edan and sage and sage had um signify uh, uh shalem okay. dj shalem right. rhythm. yes um yeah now that i'm talking about it it's start it's starting to firm up in my mind a little bit more yeah the um, fog is starting to lift a little bit yeah yeah but i will say this you know i don't know where this fits into it but obviously like we also connected through the music video for Candy Bars, too, yes. which I put on the Culturama tapes, which yes. I was doing these VHS video Dude, tape I compilations. Love, I love those comps, man. Hell like yeah. That, Thanks, man. The one, and it wasn't just because we were on it. It was like that hit me to a lot of other shit that was happening yeah. that I had had no idea about previously. Right, right. Like that was a thing where it's like, you know, we would roll with that cassette. Like if we went to play Baltimore, we'd like take it and oh, be, like, wherever we stayed, be like, check this out, fire this up. Like, this yeah. is, no, that was super cool, man. Um, yeah, I, I, cool. it was a cool, yeah, I, I love doing those. And that I think that was, it hit at a certain time. And, you know, uh, when, I mean, the first runs of them were VHS tapes. And then I did like really small runs of DVDRs, but those VHS ones, they really got around. And it was like yeah. it, the same way you would watch like some weird kind of like, cult movie like a b movie or something like that or like um skate videos and stuff like that where they would you put them on like at a party and yeah. shit but it was at a time too when music videos were at an all-time low mtv had turned into this kind of like you know uh real world kind mm -hmm. of like facade thing so yeah. yeah there was no outlet so it was like all these great regional videos too you know yeah it was super cool it really felt like you know this dude this mysterious fella from humboldt county is like is like like 
pooling a bunch of dope shit and it's like you created like kind of a like a bona fide like underground little little scene you know where it, it, it's it's so weird now not to go off on a tangent but it's just like shit is just so different now where it's yeah. like everything there is no more DIY really there's no more I mean there's DIY as far as like you do shit yourself you don't wait for people to do it for you but it's like you know it, it used to be the goal used to be not just for GB but I think for a lot of independent musicians was to like you know minimize any kind of like corporate fingerprint and I'm not anti sure. big business at all but it was just like it ha- it was an integrity thing it wasn't a like wasn't some like lefty like fuck big business it was just like want to keep the shit as pure as possible like yeah like as few fingerprints as possible and it's like now that i really just feel like that doesn't exist it's like everything is is channeled through one giant conglomerate or another even if it's it's youtube or whatever or facebook yeah yeah it's all like you're you're if you're if you're in the game you're kind of you have to suck the devil's dick a little bit you know yeah it's like yeah, definitely. There is a little less. I'm actually probably considerable less amount of freedom of choice. I think for like how you kind of how an artist can kind of control their artwork and shit. Their you know the way they put stuff out or how they tour. I mean, it's all every kind of facet of it has is lost a lot of the the control of the artist has been taken away a lot you know i feel um, i agree and it's weird because so many people think it's like oh it's so empowering like you don't you you don't need a label anymore you don't need a it's like you never really needed a label it was it was a cool option but you never really needed one well yeah Um, i mean the first like several releases of yours were all just released i mean you were the label right 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 i mean and that was like you know and it wasn't that like we had like a trust fund to, at our display it was just like we were just like fuck it let's just do it right you know and and that was cool um and i'm not i'm not knocking people for like utilizing the internet to promote their shit i don't want it to sound like i am but it, it it's a weird i don't know it's it almost feels like a weird like post-apocalyptic time and i'm it's going to be interesting to see how shit plays out you know at the end of the day as long as people are creating stuff i'm psyched you know, yeah. however, like the, the, the means by which they distribute it is kind of secondary. You know, yeah, it's like true. people are making shit and that's cool. Um, yeah, because it's not to say the way that, that we did it 17 years ago was uh, like particularly easy or, or like glamorous or sexy or whatever. You right. Know? It was tough. It was tricky. Right, right. Know? Totally, totally. It uh, involved a lot of, uh, you know, gumption and like uh, ingen- ingenuity and stuff like that. It, it, yeah, um, it, it required like to do something as simple as like, uh, you know, assemble a video compilation, right. or or even make you. I mean, make a flyer. You guys did a lot of your tour artwork and shit too. And yeah, yeah. It, you know, it, it definitely. It, I feel like it took it took a little more uh, resolve to get right. shit done than it does now. And like, I don't know. My in in summation, because I don't want to turn this into like me being on my soapbox. But I, right. like, what concerns me now with everything being funneled through these through these massive infrastructures is the censorship issue because I think eventually we're going to see that come into play in a way that's like really damaging and really shitty. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. You know, just where it's like where content is going to become where you're going to have to either, it's going to be like a pay to play thing or like a, you know, and and that bums me out, you know, whereas I feel like, yeah, there's a certain, it's almost inevitable that this could, that that's an, that's a possibility for sure. Once it's like a great club, eventually they get a little, they could, 
the potential to get very greedy is there, and then you see those pay-to-play shows too, which then yeah, tarnishes the club. Totally, totally. And I'm not. I, I don't pay-to-play isn't the worst thing in the world. You know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, you want. You know, well, it's an opportunity too. It's some. an opportunity. Yeah, yeah and I, I almost. It almost feels. You know, we we had to do some of that shit. Did you? We did. Believe yeah. it or not, in Pittsburgh, you know, like that. That was a thing here for sure. Um, well, yeah, I want to talk about just your. Uh, I guess making your way in Pittsburgh too, because it's obviously like uh, was not easy, right? There was kind of a we used to joke about it and like call it like I don't know like the zero year. Like there was a period we graduated from high school, you know, and we both were like did like did like the bro handshake, like we're gonna commit to doing this band. What high school did you go to? Oh man, I don't like to talk about okay. it. But there's there's no there's no future in front. So right. I mean, it, no, we went to Hampton, which is Okay. I don't know the high schools um, here, so I'm just I just No. Context. It, it's funny, my lady went to Hampton too. It's oh, okay. kind of weird like all roads lead to Rome, but uh you know, it, it's just a, it's a northern suburbs of Pittsburgh. Right. Um it's at the time it was it was just kind of whatever, but it's weird. It's now it's evolved into like a very I don't know, almost like uppity lily white kind of shit well, yeah that's 20 plus years ago probably right yeah yeah you were that you graduated right 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 right, right 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 actually shit yeah man 21 years ago jesus h wow wild um were you guys doing shows in in high school too or our senior year it was kind of when the we very slowly were getting the ball rolling and i think we might have done like we might have done two or th- two gigs maybe hmm. our senior year in high school um two or three and then, like, it was kind of a, it, it was a slow burn. Um, cause, like, you know, we were both, we, we were, you know, we were pretty hungry, you know, we were pretty ambitious. And, and we both believed that what we were doing was, was dope. But it was, right. it, it took a while. It took several years for it to kind of, I guess, get fleshed out into a thing that, um, that people responded to, you know, in a way that was, yeah. that was kind of, um, you know that it, that that ended up like it went from being a cool thing that happened in and around Pittsburgh for a couple of years to something that like was cool on a level that it it was able to open kind of open doors for itself. You know, yeah. Um, but uh, that that was a wild time, man. And I I, I don't know. Someday I feel like I want to I want to just come with the memoir with like a really detailed account of of those couple years because it, you know it was. Did you keep a record? Not as thoroughly as as I should have, um, but I you know I have a lot of journals. I ha- I have a lot of flyers. I mean, I, I think if I set aside a month, I could piecemeal hmm. pretty close to like every show we played. Wow, close. Man, that's dope. I, I'm sure I'd fuck a couple up. Like I'd miss a few, um, including the touring. Yeah, wow. yeah. That's what I mean. Like I I don't have it all in one place where I could just crack it open, which is what I would should have done i mean that would have been dope hindsight 2020 but like but yeah if if i took if i set aside a little time i think i could piecemeal a a pretty accurate um chronological like record because you were like the tour manager for all intents and purposes too right yeah with the with the, the exception of a couple tours i was pretty much always designated tour manager um there were a couple when we were touring with larger acts where we just kind of 
got tour managed by the right right by that tour manager that happened a couple times and yeah i want to i want to i want to get to that too for sure because that's an interesting that's like some of the later chapters of the group i mean what i'm so familiar with is is really when it's like just the two of you guys kind of pounding it out on the road for those in the early 2000s when it was really like you were just this kind of self-sustaining duo really like because uh, you did the website too right yeah yeah amazing website I, I always remember that it had like the really bright color neon with like the black letters and but kept, always had a constant stream of dates show dates kept it simple show dates and then like the occasional you know funny remark was pretty much right. uh, you know it's funny man like you're not to get off track but I, I saw and I didn't get a chance to go in on any of your other podcasts yet no diss it'll, it'll happen I mean, I just got wind of them like a couple days ago. So, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, not like I've, you got time. It's not like I've been knowing about it and avoiding it. Right, um, right, right. But I saw you interviewed Todd P. I did, which yeah. gets me really psyched. We only ever worked with Todd P. I think maybe the one the one show we did, which I think you were integral in somehow with Blowfly. Yeah, which was that, and I think Prince Paul too. Yeah, oh, Prince mistaken. Paul was in the house, dude. Yeah, yeah that was uh, in Greenpoint. Yeah, it was that. Um, place that doesn't exist anymore but it was that was an epic blowfly performance i remember that i forgot about it until you mentioned that 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 was an amazing night on a lot of levels i remember not being real psyched on our set but it, it doesn't matter because that whole night was just so fire um but todd p at the time his website was 100 percent html there was nothing right. and that got me so psyched because that, right, that right. was always our steeds um, yeah, I love those two, man. Yeah. yeah you, you know, it's just text and that's it. You know? That's it, man. I mean, I, I guess just kind of a, a very brief uh, sequence of events in the course of about a year that sort of went from us just being a local band to being a national act. Um, as best as I can recall, uh, the, the little domino effect <clears throat> paid a shitload of money to go play at this thing called the Philadelphia Music Conference. Uh-huh. Uh, well, we played money to attend. Right, right. Um, they we supposedly got selected to play. Uh, us and every other dickhead who milled them a cassette, I think. But, like, <laughs> but even still, um, met a cat there who managed this band called Sev, S-E-V. Uh, it's a rap metal band from outside of D.C., Fairfax, mm. I think. Um, did a couple shows with them through them linked up with this band uh, who are still uh, good good friends today I, they're not active as a band but led to some tight tight friendships that are still going on today this band called Geppetto from Annapolis yeah. linked up with them traded shows with them that led to us linking up uh, Adam Wheatley was the fella and I felt like I kind of shit the bed by not giving him dap in in the memoir or not the memoir but the account on heights podcast okay. he, he was a really badass dude and, and he for a brief period um we were kind of working with him as a as a booking agent okay he, he was trying to get his hustle going he managed geppetto and geppetto was really doing huge things in their area like they were crushing it um like every time they played a local show it was like a national act was in town which is a, it's not an easy like for baltimore or annapolis annapolis Interesting. and they, they did pretty well in baltimore okay. too um but that was a wild time i remember like doing a well i'll, I'll get to that in yeah. a second but um but that led to us linking up with this band from florida and I, I don't remember how they had connected how adam had connected 
um, with this band from Florida, this band from Jacksonville called, well, they weren't really from Jacksonville. They were from New Smyrna Beach and areas kind of scattered about. They were sort of talked about as a Jacksonville band, but Jacksonville band, but now that I'm talking about it, they weren't really. But this band called the Nature Kids. Ridiculously, ridiculously dope. I was thinking today, I need to burn you some of their shit. Yeah, so good. Um, Also, all three of these bands—Sev, Geppetto, Nature Kids—would kind of fall under what was very, like, very kind of mainstreamy at the time. That the quote-unquote, you know, rap rock hybrid. Right. And this is no diss to Geppetto because I love those dudes, but Nature Kids did this shit on an entirely different level. It was like bona fide craftsmanship level rhymes just sick rhymes over these rock guitars and with a band or yeah, over li- live band live band cool. In- incredible live show um winter of 2000 we ended up doing it was kind of our we, we had done some touring with height um so i'm fucking up these dates man it was winter of 2001 we had done some touring fall of 2000 with height uh got our feet wet a little bit um, but the first kind of legit where there was a show booked every night for three weeks or something was with the Nature Kids. And we basically went down to Orlando, did a week's worth of shows in Florida, and then kind of worked our way up the East Coast. Um, last show we played was in Brooklyn, actually. But, I mean, this was before we had right. we had linked up. Uh, you but, remember where? I don't remember the name of the venue. See, that that yeah, I have been written. been a lot of turnover over the years, too. Yeah, but, like, that's one where I have that written down somewhere. Yeah, right. You know, but I, I need to dig in and find it. Um, but that was, uh, that kind of, at that point, I sort of felt like, as an act, we had evolved. You know, we spent a few years doing a lot of shows with a lot of people who, if they could have gotten away with it would have murdered us <laughs> right in, in and around pittsburgh you know and then that like linking up with the nature kids you know they were already these white yos spitting these complex rhymes surprisingly very well received in in the arguably not so acculturated florida you know what i mean um which which impressively like you ended up you guys later would go there and really pound pound that state down as far as touring like that was Really, I always remember that how you would go back. You did Florida hard. It, we we took hold there. It, yeah, it's, it is wild to think about now. Um, but we really took hold there, and that that is in no I, odds are that never would have happened had we not linked up with the Nature Kids. Oh, cool. Know? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think there's any way that Eric Andre could have seen you guys play and somehow was inadvertently like in, inspired by? this kind of irreverent performance type shit because obviously what he's doing now is is huge and very popular and successful but it is like in line with a lot of the kind of stuff from your live show not to say it's like i'm not i'm not claiming he's he borrowed anything but i mean it's in that world i feel like and he lived there during that time growing up it's totally possible and i would be curious to know the answer to that you know what i mean right um I'm not going to stress it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, there's something about it when I watch his stuff. And, like, even, like, Tim and Eric, whom I, I'm a huge fan of both of their material. I love that stuff the same way I love, like, watching you guys play and listen to the songs. There's a certain kind of, uh, uh, just, like, the level of satire and parody is so rich that it's hard not to, like, you know, think it's fucking hilarious, you know, and brilliant. And, uh, but you guys were of a of an era that was just a couple of years before both of those things kind of 
came about in a way. Yeah, I mean, I I remember building with Jackson about this years ago. I mean, and his take on it was kind of like, you know, we we put that energy into the ether, right? So right. like cosmically or on a quantum physics level, we influence these people, whether they ever saw us or not. I'm pretty sure I didn't say it out loud, but I was thinking at the time. I was thinking, shut up, you fucking hippie. Um, I didn't say it out loud, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I say it's definitely possible. Oh, man. while you were saying that. Yeah, while yes. Jackson was saying that, I was thinking, right, right, right. I'm trying to be funny. Yes, of It's course. not an actual Jackson diss. That right. was his inattempt at humor. Um, he is a fucking hippie, though. Totally. He's dude. turned into one. Patchouli stinking motherfucker. Uh, but I don't know, man. The thing is, we we did do so many shows, and it's like, um, you know, we very much from scratch, like, the following we established, though it was not massive in number of people it was pretty far reaching in terms of like geography and that was solely for, uh, that was from our live shows you know i mean that oh, was yeah. from from going balls to the wall and i i mean i i definitely know we 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 blew some minds you know so i mean i i'd like to think we i i don't i'm not going to name any names i i know a lot of music that came from people who we inspired really grates on me like i know we we inspired some people to go out and make some real stinky shit but it's still cool like it's all good you know i don't like i'm hoping we inspire some people who went on to make some really dope shit right and you are you were of like a kind you, i mean gradually you would f find like-minded people even back then 2000 2001 and and so on like geppetto and stuff that there was like a kind of circuit it's just during that time too it's a little it was a little trickier to connect with all these artists where you would have to kind of physically be in their city and do a show with them to, totally. be, to be aware of them even like a neil hamburger is like in that same coming up during that same period of time is, oh totally it's like you know influential in that same way totally um, totally um yeah it was uh yeah it's it gets me super psyched just kind of looking back on that time just because of because of the level of, of like grind that was required yeah that, that I do think in some cases you know the cream of the crop rose to the top because it had to you know it was really only the cats that put in the work yes that that got to like that got to get the show in the other city or got to like talk to the booking agent you know what i mean it was uh it was eventually you booked your first couple of tours though right like when you when you did wesley you didn't have a booking agent or anything like that right? no i mean but when we did wesley that you know wesley was already booked by eric carter yes. who at the time was cork cork agents so i mean that that was really um i we had kind of a falling out with wesley's manager and uh I, i've never gone on the record dissing the dude i don't intend to we'll say i'm totally cool with never crossing paths with him again as long as i live but at the same time, we we are indebted to that dude. I mean, right. that we just are because I mean that, like Wesley liked us, but I mean his manager was the dude that, that put us on those shows. I mean, and that was just that was <clears throat> that was a real that was a real live rock and roll or rap whatever fantasy come true. It was just like right, right, been fighting tooth and nail to string together gigs here and there, and then it's like oh, uh, here's here's sixty dates. You're on all of them. Yeah, I mean that's amazing. Yeah, 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 like you'll have a hotel every night. It was like holy shit. Yeah. You know, just like <laughs> then you can then you can you know expend that energy towards uh, the actual performance and stuff. Too, totally, you know? totally. Yeah, I mean that was uh, 
yeah that that was definitely that was some magical shit um you know it's when i think about like uh geppetto nature kids um it's like the you know those dudes like we definitely and there, there were some other there were some local pittsburgh bands too like, i don't know someday i'll write an essay or i'll i'll do something where i feel like i finally give like a heartfelt like salute um to all the bands that put us on because like there were a lot of bands that put us on that i kind of felt like and i guess by put us on i mean hooked us up with the show right but i mean you you obviously play with all types of genres of music in Pittsburgh oh, yeah, too, yeah. Right? Like, for sure for sure yeah i mean i feel like i i could get like two screenplays and a fucking novel just out of the couple years only playing pittsburgh wow just, with so much wild shit that went down but like you know that we always tried to come through and like tried to reciprocate but the thing was at, at this time this like 99 2000 we were not drawing shit in our hometown whereas it's like you know um say geppetto for example they did they'd headline a show in annapolis there'd be 200 kids they're losing their minds wow, and they could have us come as the opener and it was just like welcomed with open arms into like this really popping scene We'd, we'd return fire with a show for them and it would be like you know my parents and like Jackson's dad and like the bartender you know what I mean it was All just right. kind of like so it was just kind of this lopsided thing and then very quickly you know we ended up later that year later well 2001 we just very quickly became like a national touring act and all of a sudden like it was our job to get on the road and tour you know so I kind of feel like we, we never got to fully you know be like thanks you know thanks for hooking us up here is the pittsburgh show in front of 500 people with thousand dollar guarantee like we just kind of we didn't get to make some of those like we we always tried to pay shit forward you know hook up other cats who were yeah on the on the come up but like but then there was an era too where you guys came sort of came back after a couple years those touring in in pittsburgh then you were you were like playing the support on the to some of these big kind of this weird range of artists right like well yeah yeah that that was uh that that shit was kind of wild i mean you know we got <clears throat> we were able to hit it out of the park touring with wesley willis and i i could talk for 50 hours straight just about that man about what an amazing magical motherfucker he was but he died in 2003 you know very wow, very suddenly right. and it was just like I mean that was another thing where it's like we you know we never got to really thank wesley you know mm, really yeah yeah um but so, so it was just the four of you guys on the tour just him his manager and, and you two uh i know you did a couple tours but did a couple tours in in 2001 all right i'm getting i'm getting the years straight now in 2001 we did like i want to say five it was five or six weeks with him and it was it was it was one tour but it was split up into two legs right and the first leg, it was us, this band called the Shazam, who were fucking awesome. I don't know if they're still in the game. I hope they are. They were really awesome. And Wesley. And they were a three-piece. But we were all in separate vehicles. And uh, this, this this cat named Paris, this cat from Chicago, was tour managing. Um, then September 11th happened. For It was like for an instant, the tour was canceled. Then all of a sudden, overnight, it was like back on. But I don't, I don't have the scoop. But for somehow, for somehow, somehow, the cat who that cat Paris who was supposed to tour manage and that band the Shazam, having something to do with nine eleven, were not going to be on the second leg of the tour. Mm. So that ended up being just your boy Grunge Jackson and Wesley. And that's it. That's it in my Astro van for a month. <laughs> and that wow. was uh, 
that was pretty fucking wild and i got fucking pneumonia mm. um and jacked so so there was a period of i think a week maybe six days where it was just jackson and wesley holy shit which is it makes my heart warm when i think about that it was like we thought we're gonna have to cancel the tour and it's like jackson just manned the fuck up and was like no i'm good so he held it down he did the grand buffet show and then tour managed wesley and settled and drove and all that stuff held and held it the fuck down like I should have used that to be like, all right, Jack, from here on out, man, it's, it's on you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then I met back up with them at the Pittsburgh show, and I got back on the mic. Um, it's pretty wild, pretty wild. But, uh, yeah, so <clears throat> based on the strength of that and then a tour with our good homie Sage Francis, also one of my best homies to this day, um, at that point, we ended up uh we had a booking agent you yeah. know and we just we strung the next couple of years we just strung together shows um you know our homie uh, soul put us on yeah anticon i feel like most of the guys in there were really embraced the group too there was maybe it was like maybe there was a bit of a split two ways right there was some hate in there and i never got to the bottom of it i mean they they some fucked up shit happened where we were supposed to do a record on anticon um walked away from a deal with Epitaph because we had already agreed to do a deal with Anacon. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, that's a little bit of a stretch. Epitaph didn't put a contract on the table, but they were interested. They did a ticket buy and all this shit, and we very politely were like, we love what you guys do. Keep it up, but we're, we're rolling with, with our homies. And then, like, a couple months later, uh, call from Soul, like, oh, we can't put the record out now. I'm sorry. And it was mm. just... Uh, not, I mean, it's not cool. You know, it's not cool. It's not some shit that I'm bitter about at all. Like, I would say I was if I was. But it was shitty. You know, it was a shitty thing. Right. It's like... I'm sure you... I don't know. Hopefully not. But it's like you have a homie. You find out, like, I don't know, maybe he blazed with, like, a chick that you had broken up with but right. never really quite got over. <laughs> it, it doesn't mean you hate him. Yeah, doesn't yeah. mean you can't be boys, but it wasn't cool. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about it. But it, it does puzzle me a little bit if I stop and think about it, which doesn't happen very often. But it's like, which one of those cats wasn't down? Was it Passage? Was it those? Like, I don't know. Because they all... I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that was rhetorical. Right, I right, wasn't. Right. But it do, it's kind of like, that's really weird, man. I wonder which one of those motherfuckers wasn't down. It's probably why. You never know. Yeah. I mean, the, so I would love to talk about, too, this this uh, period of time when you did those three kind of mini albums back to back to back, because that was also felt like a very prolific time of you guys as like a, in the studio, too, when you were sort of coming into your own, like as far as like pushing shit creatively and like you found I feel like you like your style of production like matured too because you did all the production on all the songs right well for the most part like it um jackson started to contribute more like uh the actual like music production oh cool but it was like uh i guess i kind of i kind of had final cut as a producer like he would start to like fuck around with the beats or like he would record a synth line lace me with it and then i would build it did you record like in your house or something like that? Like Yeah, yeah. Like we both uh at that time both still lived I lived with my parents, Jackson lived with his mom, and we had the little studio set up in my bedroom, my folks' house, and that's uh we recorded two out of three of the EPs there. 
So there was Undercover Angels, uh, Cigarette Beach. Beach, and then Pittsburgh Hearts. That was the last one, Pittsburgh Hearts. Yeah, right. Pittsburgh Hearts we recorded when we were we were big boys and we had our own place in the city. <laughs> we had we had, you know, grown up a little bit. So when I came um, out here with Zeman when you, we got we played this kind of crazy the theater brew house, yeah. yeah. With Skell. Yeah, yeah. Those are some longtime homies, man. That that's jumping back to that period before we ever hit the road. One of the bands, um, the not not the front man, lead guitarist, but the basically the band leader, uh, this fella, Mikey Pallone, still one of my best friends, actually the godfather of my daughter. Wow, cool. Yeah, so awesome. Um, I'm not fucking around when I say he's he's my rally, as Z Man would say. Um, <laughs> yes, but uh, they were in this band called Whiskey High, and they were. Uh, Hard, a hard rock band with you know hard rock uh metal undertones awesome band awesome fucking band and uh completely the last fucking band in the county that i ever thought would have been psyched on grand buffet <laughs> really to the point not to the point it's like and they they were they had established themselves in pittsburgh in a way that was really legit um you know and they they were a band that kind of got which we were in a completely different way and for completely different reasons, but they were a band that, uh, like the scene kind of clowned them because they were, they were what, what haters would call a hair metal band. You know what I mean? The cats, they came up on that shit and that was their, their style. A couple of them had big flowing manes of hair. to me, that never undermined the legitimacy of the music or anything like that. Sure, and they, were, they took it seriously, yeah, the, they, the music. Yeah, the they, I mean, they weren't being cheeky. That was just, that was their shit, you know? Um, yeah, you got to respect someone that just, they don't give a fuck what other people think about them, regardless of the genre they're playing. They're just doing them. And, abs- and then, Absolutely. I mean, in that, you know, uh, the mid-90s, it was like so many cats who would have very short time before you know waited in line for an hour to like lick the balls of like Stephen Piercy or something like then all of a sudden we're like too cool for that shit and it was all right. about it was all about indie rock and so people people fake the funk but like but these cats didn't they they were as real as they come and they used to kill it they when they played Pittsburgh it was a big deal and uh it is it is kind of a long story. The short version is like we met them through a studio where we recorded a bunch of demo stuff that they uh, that they kind of they rehearsed there and they were kind of co-owners of it. So it kind of went from them being like sort of like oh you know look at these cute little little young fellas rapping it's kind of cute right. and like all oh, these guys are kind of cool then involved to like them uh, having us open up for them and. Oh, so way back in the day. Way back in the day, we're talking like ninety seven, ninety eight. Some of our first shows like. So what is this? You're playing like roadhouses and shit, saloons. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a place called Whiskey Dick's Saloon, which is <laughs> is gone now. Um, but it it was ve- it was it was right. It was in the strip district, so in the city proper. But it was very much like a. It was set up like a fucking like Bob's Country Bunker, basically from uh-huh. the Blues Brothers. Right. Um, How was the reception for you guys there? Fucked completely. Fucked, but it didn't matter because like we were there as guests of Whiskey High. So, like, people kind of knew not to fuck with us. And, like, the one dude who did, I'm not saying, like, he got, like, rushed in the parking lot. and be, No, that didn't happen. But, like, but people told him to shut the fuck up, which is pretty cool. Wow, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, they had your back. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, they're like, wait, we hate him too, 
but don't fuck with them because they're friends with Whiskey High, asshole. Like, it was that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they fucking suck, but but be cool. Um, <laughs> so it was tight. It was tight, you know. And then, um, you know, we just stayed in touch. Like, they had members change, kind of became a different band. They had some members swap. They became Skell. And Skell is actually still still holding it down. They're still playing. They are, man. It's, it's real fucked up. Nice. Um, the one, uh, the, the one cat, uh, not who was not playing with them uh, when you and Zaman were in the house, but who had joined shortly after my homie Keith. He actually passed away very recently. Mm, I'm real sorry to hear up. that. Yeah, it sucks, man. It sucks. He was a good egg. He was yeah. a really good egg. But uh, but they're keeping it moving, you know. That's amazing, and and just to be continuing playing like within this like lineage of like Pittsburgh bands too is, is pretty it's pretty cool it's very respectful it's super cool man i gotta tell you not to go off on a huge change yeah, but um a couple weeks ago uh jackal was in town i don't know if you if you recall jackal but yeah i do i'm trying to remember a song i don't know if i can pull a song out of my head right dude now. with the chainsaw yeah lumberjack yeah he played the chainsaw anyway <laughs> they're they're a favorite band of mine um and they're still touring. They're still doing it big. But so they were in town a couple weeks ago. I got permission from my lady to sneak out, go see Jackal. And I had my man Mikey from Scale Whiskey High, godfather of my daughter, come with me. And he, he's not a huge Jackal fan. He dug the show, but he, he's more Slayer, Pantera. That's more his, right. his shit, a little heavier stuff. But, like, it was so wild, man. We went to this. It's this brand, well, pretty new, a couple years old big ass big money spot way up in fucking cranberry which is like really far flung suburbs okay. it's almost not even the suburbs anymore it's way out there and it was so wild man people coming out of the woodwork to give him dap really because they not because they knew him but because they either saw whiskey high or they saw scale play at some point Wow. And it was like a fucking celebrity sighting for them. No way. Which was super cool. And my man is very humble. Like, you know, to him, sure. like, he would never. But it was, as a fan of his, and as, you know, a dude I consider a dear friend, it got me like, I was real fucked That's up. That's what's up. Because yeah. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh can be can be cruel, man. Like, I love this city to death, but there are a lot of haters here. There's yeah, a lot of crab I've, motherfuckers, you know. I've been, <laughs> I've been trying to, you know, I've been here for now like a little over a week, and I've been trying to... Um, it's not like that I've been going out to shows, but I mean, there's something about Pittsburgh and I've come here and I booked a lot of shows here, shows with Manny, shows with different kinds of promoters and stuff like that. But to, I, I want to get a better read of like the local scene with bands and just like the history of it. Not that I need you, not that I'm asking you to tell me like to break it all down for me, but there is something very kind of unique about pittsburgh too and i talked about this with jackson too and he had an interesting interpretation of it but uh because there's only there's not like a ton of groups that contemporary artists that came out of pittsburgh too like on a national level it's it, Wiz, but, yeah Wiz khalifa of course mac. mac miller and girl talk yeah you know yeah wait who and Psych. uh <laughs> and uh yeah, with those guys, uh, Wiz never, you never did any shows with him, did you? We did one show with Wiz. Oh, really? Um, and, and Girl Talk. It, uh, like, Girl Talk, it was after Girl Talk had, like, very rapidly just popped into this massive, like, just massive draw. Right. 
um, he did. It was actually really awesome. It was something, you know, that I feel like it was very similar to what we did over the years. We just did it on a smaller scale. Yeah. But he did like a giant 3,000 capacity venue, just all Pittsburgh acts who he dug. Dope. Um, so GB was on the bill. Don, the legendary Don Caballero. Or Don yes, Caballero. Don Caballero. Yes. They were on the bill. Um, oh, dope. Yes. There was one band, I, I don't want to diss, but there was one band that was kind of a plant. I don't know. It was like a favor to the promoter or some shit. But other than that, mm. it was like a very like earnest, like these are all bands he digs and he's putting on a fucking gala. Like it was a yeah. big ass venue. I don't, the venues had like 30 different names. But it's, it's not like, Stage AE. No, no. This is I, I think this was even before Stage AE opened their doors. This was like 08 or 09. Um, okay. I but, think uh, I saw you guys play Mr. Smalls one time too. You, you must have played there before. Yeah. In your day. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. yes. Yeah, we actually never headlined a show there. Right. We, uh, Interesting. We did shows. We did a show with Don Cab there, and we did a show with Girl Talk there. Oh, definitely. Um, but so Girl talked to this big-ass gala. Modi Lemon was in the house. They were on the show. And oh, like, cool. And yeah, and Wiz was on the show. And, like, I, it was really, like, a month later, he was, like, uh, in a movie with Snoop. Like, it was right. just rapid just how the dude shot to start him. But, but it's cool, though. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I dig it. I like anything that comes out, any music that comes out of Pittsburgh and breaks in the national level, I think... Obviously, they had to put their work in to make it happen. I Abs- feel like, yeah, definitely, know? definitely. Yeah. No, I'm. I mean, I can't front like I'm a super fan. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't own the albums, but I'm definitely not a hater yeah, by no. any stretch. Like much respect. And I met him one time in a club in L.A. And he was he was actually very, very, very cool. He seemed so. like a very cool cat. I, you know, just met him real briefly in right. passing. But good-hearted dude, talented right. dude, certain, no, very talented dude. Yeah, for what he does, he's got it on lock. Yeah, he's got it. He's he figured it out. Yeah. Know? And yeah. Mac Miller, I mean, you know, both of those guys, like they 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 got their lane and they do it well. Totally, you know. Yeah, no, I'm yeah, I'm not, I'm not a hater, not even a little bit. Right. It's all the con- continued success. Right. You know? Right. For sure. What do you? What do you? Were you involved in the Pittsburgh Batman thing? Yeah. Are you? Are you being a? Are you being cheeky? No, not at all. Because I'm not hip to it at all. Oh, for so, real? Yeah. I mean, I'm not like, oh my god, how could you not have heard of it? It's just funny that it didn't come up in conversation with Jackson. Not just on a surface level. So I wanted to save the real description talk with you. Oh, I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know what it what exactly it was. I just know it's something that was another Grandma Faye related project, but it yeah. wasn't in an album. It wasn't you know something that unless you were in Pittsburgh, you didn't know about it, right? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I think it's very it's very like Pittsburgh based I, I think like I'm psyched about it I'm very proud of it but at the same time I'd be very surprised if cats from outside the Berg really fucked with it just because it's so many references and stuff are local um, so what is that it was a play that I wrote and that I went on to like produce direct star in um, it was based on uh, I mean it's a spoof it's a superhero spoof Batman spoof it's basically imagining if Batman was from Pittsburgh. Okay. Like, that's basically what it is. Um, But it stemmed from a bunch of ideas that, going back probably 12 or 13, who knows how long, a decade or more, you know, um, just ideas from from the inside of the van being being on tour. Sure. And just Jackson just came with this really funny version of, like, of Andy Warhol. And it was kind of this whole thing like, well, what if you go to the Warhol Museum and ask 
if you could speak to Andy Warhol, uh-huh. that he that's all it would take that he'd come downstairs and be like, what the fuck do you guys want? Like, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm up there working on my drawings and the intro. It just it was really, really tickled me. And then, um, really funny. So that, that was kind of like an idea from Jackson. And then another band who hasn't been mentioned yet because we kind of, we jumped ahead about eight years. Um, but Gil Manterra's Party Dream. Yes, of course. Huge, huge piece of the Grand Buffet uh, story arc. So, so just piece. to take a quick sec, I mean, for people that might not be familiar with them, because they're also pretty much inactive at this point in time, if I'm not mistaken. You are correct. So they're not from Pittsburgh, but they're definitely close to Pittsburgh. Right? Yeah, from Youngstown, Ohio, which is about, I don't know, 45, 50 miles yeah, from Yeah, super close. Very close. And um, just uh, two brothers... Youngstown fellas formed one of my all-time favorite bands. I mean, like, there's there there's uh, I can't really think of anything totally comparable to them. Uh, they're also a duo like Grand Buffet, so yeah. there is a certain kind of kinship there. I mean, you obviously totally. did tours and show many shows with them. Yeah, quite a few, quite a few. It was it's funny that 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 relationship stemmed from the tour with Wesley Willis all oh, the cool. way back in fall of 2001 um the second show after i got back from the hospital basically was youngstown and uh gb had played there once what is playing a show in youngstown like i've never been there before it's very different now man it's very different at the time youngstown like youngstown's still raw and it's still rowdy but at the time, it was even more so than the Berg at the time. It was on some Wild West shit. Like, it was just, it was just raw. It was like yeah. a raw... It's a small know. city, right? It is. It is. But it's a city. Like, it's it's a legit little downtown with, like, tall-ass buildings and shit. Okay. Um, you you would need to ask so, someone from Youngstown, but there there's a lot of mob history there. Like okay. it, that it, makes sense. It was the gateway between the fellas in the East Coast and the fellas in Chicago. Like, yeah. yeah. It was, it was some kind of hub and there were still little remnants of that even as recently as like the early 2000s but it, it's a fascinating it's a fascinating place man it like everywhere I guess has changed a lot um, you know a lot of weird gentrification sure. and just weird bullshit but um, the show we played with Wesley Willis was at uh, one of my all time favorite venues in the world was the Nia Bingy in Youngstown um, mm. the guy who owned it also ran sound there this guy greg barrett real tough customer yeah very cool dude very smart dude but had been around the block was a was a pop culture like aficionado okay seen a thousand bands very hard to impress you know well not every band can go to youngstown too well there's that but i mean you know but he had he had traveled it wasn't like he had just seen every band that ever came to youngstown like he he knew his shit Right. You know, he was like yourself, just a head, you know, like a music head, um, like a film head, like that kind of dude. But it's like he ran this very rowdy bar in Youngstown. So he also was like he, he was a tough dude, like on a very like basic, just like he was tough. Right. You know, like he wasn't like jacked, but he just looked like he could probably kill you, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> if you pissed him off. So I remember at that time I was kind of I had resumed my my duties as tour manager for Wesley. This at this time it was just me, Jack, and Wesley in the van. Um, and like I'd never been to this venue before. Uh, talking to this guy, you know, going through what we need for the sound check, what we need for the rider, all this stuff. And like, you know, I'm 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 paying for my cocktails, 
Hmm. And he's kind of asked, like, you know, what, what the fuck, Grand Buffet? Like, what the fuck are you guys about? So I was like, uh, you know, man, kind of like we rap, but, you know, we like to think it. And I could just see lost interest. Just right there, <laughs> fucking just lost interest. And uh, after the set, he kind of like, and this this dude was an awesome sound man. And the, the, the Nia Bingy did very much like hole in the wall dive bar. It sounds like it, yeah. Yeah, smoky, like, um, it had existed previously. He ran it in um, Morgantown. West and, Virginia. Yeah. Okay. And then he picked up and transplanted it wow. to Youngstown. That's two very interesting markets. Yes. For yes. A venue. Totally. Um, but, it, was it like, oh, no, please go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, but like the, the sound there was awesome. And like this mm. dude, he did all the sound. He wired the PA and just like the sound was fucking phenomenal. So. Um, like he didn't chintz on us, even though he wasn't sure whether or not he was down. He right. still gave us the fucking, he juiced us that night. <laughs> and after the set, he was kind of like, kind of act, acting a, a little bit more friendly toward me. And then like after like a half hour of kind of talking about like the set, it's like all the drinks were on the house and like, <laughs> and he couldn't wait to have us back. And there was a band from Youngstown that we had to play with this band, Gilman Terrace Party Dream. Wow. Yeah. So and that that led to, I mean, yeah, those those guys. Well, one of them still to this day consider one of my best homies. Um, but that led to just so much like that. GB and the Party Dream that could be a fucking a book or a, you know that for sure. I mean, of, and they played that uh that fateful show in Pittsburgh that me and Z Man played on. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's all the all the roads kind of when uh, Jackson came out with the nacho cheese and the crucifixes and was like dipping them in nacho cheese and like licking them. Yeah. And throwing them into the crowd. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so what's up with them? They they don't play shows no more. No man. They uh, there is a documentary in production about Gilman Terrace Party Dream, and I hope it sees the light of day because. Because it is, it's a, you know, they're an awesome band. And I, yeah. you know, I'd like them. To, I would think that maybe if the documentary was real, well received, if it got people talking about them again, maybe that could lead to a reunion or something. I would hope. But I mean, the short version, they had a falling out, you know. But aren't they? They're brothers. They're brothers, too. yeah. Dang, that it, sucks. It is. It's kind of yeah. harsh. But I think, I think they may have actually uh, reconnected recently, which okay. is cool. Yeah. I don't know if that means they're going to be a band again, but I think that sure. they're... Because they didn't talk for like six years or something really. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was kind of like... It was kind of many. Another yeah. Z-Man reference. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love Z-Man. Um, yeah, yeah, you guys were great. Uh, a great pairing. Yeah, two just, uh, you know, otherwise kind of indescribable groups in a way. You yeah. Know, that, and yeah, yeah. That lived so close to one another. You know, that obviously, you know, partied together and you guys had, a, there's a great deal of revelry, you know, and shit. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like the, the full spectrum, like coming close to like fisticuffs a couple of times and then just really? and like, and like sobbing and hugging each other. Wow. Not Jackson. Jackson, that was all me, all that bullshit, all that <laughs> right. drunk bullshit. That was all me, <laughs> me and uh, Richie from the Party Dream. Yeah. Um, But yeah, awesome, awesome band. They were, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we played with a lot of amazing bands. But just not, there weren't that many bands we played with where we got to see them like 50 or 60 times. You yeah. know what I mean? They may For have sure. been. I never got tired of watching those dudes. Not yeah, once. They're hilarious. Yeah. And it wasn't just like, oh, these are my boys. No, it wasn't that. Is I was genuinely fucking entertained every time I watched How them. How would play. you describe them genre wise? Because there's, you know, if, if people, since it's been a while since they put a record out, obviously, or toured, 
you know, so there might be people that are listening here right now that have no clue what they are. And there's not a great document of them because they, they, they're also from a, sort of a lost era, too, in a way, like pre YouTube yeah, culture. The, yeah, where yeah. it's like maybe their MySpace page might still exist. Right, right. Like, it's like, would you, it's like sort of like this kind of. I don't know if new wave is even close to it, but like, yeah, I mean, I would, I, I guess I like to try to keep descriptions kind of vague. Right. But, of course. And I don't um, mean to put you in the corner to try to do that. Not at all, my dude. But, uh, like I, they're a pop band, you know, they, they right. made, they made pop music, like, uh, pop slash dance music. Um, and their later albums were very like, very well crafted like you know a lot of like Giorgio Moroder influence definitely um, really just sonically beautiful albums like their older stuff was fun but it it wasn't of that caliber but you know like GB they had a live show which was just like it was you know they managed to kind of bottle chaos amidst amidst music that was legitimately good I mean that was the thing it's like people can say what they want about about either group but like i always felt like at the end of the day i thought gb had some pretty solid tracks you know um <clears throat> there's always there was always a fine line let this asshole drive past you know there is always a fine fine line between like what the late wesley willis would say um like he didn't he never wanted people to sideshow him like he loved it when people came out and watched him play but he could tell when people were pointing fingers and gawking. Right. Um, and sadly, I mean, a lot of his fans were fucking pieces of shit. Um, I know, yeah, I bet. I can only imagine, too. Yeah. I mean, when you do so many shows with him, you, you probably see the full range of asshole that totally, would Totally, yeah. totally. Um, but but with, uh, like with both Grand Buffet and Party Gym, I always kind of felt like both groups kind of rode that line between, like, this, is, this, like, this isn't even a, this isn't a band. This is just like a fucking... Like, if anything, it's like really fucking just half-assed improv performance art, right? Like we kind of rode that line between being like some sideshow bullshit and being like some of the baddest shit you've ever seen. Yeah, and then we kind of, you know, th- I won't speak for Party Dream. I mean, I know G- GB on our bad nights, we definitely you err on the wrong side, but like, but then you guys would, I would notice because I seen you guys play a lot of a times, lot, yeah. and I would notice how you would if the crowd wasn't particularly great or like engaging musically how you would then lean on the you would you know lean on the the improv side of of you know doing crowd work and badgering the audience fucking with the audience insulting the audience you know which probably in some cases could completely turn them back around you know because they like that they and you you guys have this certain dynamic as a duo where you have this you kind of strike this imposing figure on stage you're the big guy you know like and you're and you point and look directly at people on stage in the crowd and shit i remember how funny it is because you would really like uh make fun of people in the audience you know and they would be disarmed immediately yeah you know yeah and it's funny man i i don't know i guess like since you hit me up i've kind of been i've just been thinking a lot more about about the history of gb and um you know that that was also kind of walking a delicate line. You know, that is in some ways kind of playing with fire. Um, I still stand by like when it's in the context of art, right? It's all good. Well, the, when you're on stage, right? You know, right. I mean, in that, you know, because I, you know, there were there were a couple times where detractors, like after a show, would be like, like, like 
whatever you guys are doing, man, is fine. But like, you said some really ugly things, and it's like, all right, fair enough. But like, you don't, you don't have to like it. And bear in mind, it was a fucking performance, right? You know, it's like, um, so get. I mean, I know I, we only talked about this for a second, but I'd love to get back to that Pittsburgh Batman thing. Oh too. yeah, 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 definitely. That because uh, you know, um. People in Pittsburgh have they got a total style onto themselves, like the regional, like dialect too, you know, and everything, and and, and just tangentially, like I, I for the first time I saw that you did a music video for Cool as Hell, yeah. which I didn't realize. Um, which I the funniest fucking thing about it, besides like the kind of like close up shots of you, is that you're wearing a Flyers jacket. <laughs> you know, it's even funnier. Is that video was shot in Baltimore? Was it? Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought for sure it was shot in, <laughs> not, in Pittsburgh. Not shot in Pittsburgh. Yeah, um, that's so funny, man. Because yeah. you wouldn't probably walk around. No one would be walking around with a fucking Philadelphia Flyers jacket in Pittsburgh. I would think. I, I mean, I would do it to be like subversive. I of course. Guess. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be doing it with like any kind of like check me out. I'm doing me. <laughs> right. No, I know, which is hilarious. You know. Um, so was the the Pittsburgh Batman thing? Was it just uh, did it just run for one night only, or did you do? Was there a run of it? Or? Uh, yeah, we we did two runs. Cool. Um, yeah, I went off on a major tangent, but so yeah, so the the actual concept for Pittsburgh Batman was kind of something that uh, Gil Mantera himself and I had kind of batted around oh, as an cool. idea. This, I mean, this is years and years ago, over a decade ago, and we were talking about trying to do like a short film. And, you know, we have, like, a Pittsburgh Batman, and then we have, like, you'd have Jackson's depiction of Andy Warhol and all this funny shit. And uh, in my mind, it's just like, I, I don't, this would never work as a movie, but this could work as a play. Right. So I just banged out a play. And uh, Was it a one-act or yeah, something? Yeah, one-act, okay. uh, about an hour long. Wow, and, cool. Um, and I was super psyched on it, just didn't do a goddamn thing with it for, like, five years. And then, um, after you wrote it, yeah, yeah, okay. just I mean, we were still at that time, GB was still active, we were still touring a lot and stuff. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the kind of we kind of went on indefinite hiatus, and uh, you know, I'd been working at different day jobs and still always still doing music, but music was no longer the was no longer paying the bills, really, and right, and just decided fuck it let's try to put on this play and uh jackson was down and you know and uh richie from party dream was on board and uh it, it just it really came together beautifully and uh, how was it received really really well man. yeah and i i knew it was going to be one extreme or the other like i knew this is like people will fucking love this or it will be as atrocious as atrocious in a front as like the the flyers jacket or you know like right and uh, <laughs> right and for the people who saw it there she is she's good um we, we did two runs we, in 2013 we did uh we did a run in a little black box theater we did three nights uh about 100 capacity sold out all three nights right killer a year later ramped it up did it at this spot called the kelly strayhorn theater which is this beautiful uh amazing theater like this bona fide theater they do all, all kinds of shit there very expensive put my balls on the line 
Um, you had to rent it out? Yeah, you yeah. put the money down and put everything? Put the money down. Wow. So you were the producer and everything, yeah. Yeah, the, the first run, uh, Jackson and I kind of did it as a team. We just, we did a Grand Buffet show. Grand Buffet hadn't played in Pittsburgh in a while. Did a, like, last-minute show. Did really well. And we kind of used that to bankroll the play. Cool. Which was cool. Simple, but much bigger scope. Um, I actually hit up my homie who uh, who owned Fighting Records. Mm-hmm. A little deal with him, uh, just just basically front me the cash for the theater, right. um, you know, with interest. My man made a little profit, uh, but it, it went great, man. We, we didn't sell out all three nights, which was a little bit of a bummer. But um, by the third night, there was a groundswell, and the third we sold out the third night, oh, which wow. was really fucking cool. Right, and right. I don't know, I'd say probably fifty people or more had got turned away because there were no. Uh, so it took them a sec to catch on. It took a sec. I feel like the the first time we did it, you know, it was still it was very much a grand buffet thing, and it was largely grand buffet fans who came. The second time, that wasn't really. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying Grand Buffet fans didn't come out, but like it, it, it didn't feel like a Grand Buffet production. It right. was like it had kind of taken on its own little. Like people knew about it, and it, um, yeah. So it was great, man. I, oh, I'd love to see it, man. I wish I saw that live. Dude. I can get you a copy of it. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, yeah that would be awesome. I can definitely make that happen. Yeah, yeah, because you're acting in it too, so it's not. It's probably not that different than than like what a show would be although it's you know there's it's not songs but it's uh um there's a couple musical numbers yeah in it. okay yeah. Cool. yeah not not a musical though it's just you know it's a it's a comedic play with like a couple musical jaunts thrown right. in there what was the main character's name it's not just batman is it pittsburgh batman okay. <laughs> um <clears throat> yeah that's awesome so what about like just in in pennsylvania in general i mean like you, uh, over the course of your guys' careers, touring artists, did you make the, uh, the uh, and do you feel like you made like an impression in the state too? There's just something about the state as well. So I took the train here from New York. I took a one way ticket from New York on the Amtrak. So I went from Philly all the way across. Um, That's the best way to see PA. It know, was beautiful, it's... actually. I really enjoyed it. Like yeah. Pennsylvania 42 or 43 or something. It's like. Yeah. I really like the state in general. There's a lot of little places, little towns and haunts and stuff. I've actually been wanting to go to Kecksburg because there was like a UFO that landed there in the 60s. And oh, I was like, snap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to see this thing. Uh, anyway, um, but like, you know, obviously besides Philly, did you guys play like uh, like Wilkes, Wilkes-Barre and Scranton and Reading and these like little little cities and little towns? Like Not as much as I would have liked, man. Like right. we, uh, you know, coming up before before all the touring we would play anywhere we could get booked. And right. it's like, you know, we played that aforementioned conference in Philly, which is our first, I think our first out of town gig ever. Um, but we, you know, we played suburbs of Pittsburgh. Sure. Uh, and all the little boroughs that surround it and stuff. But we never really, the Pennsylvania is like a, it's a weird kind of, you know, there's a lot of really old, like even colonial energy and weird shit right. here, but it's cool. But we never did that well outside of Pittsburgh. In yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, we had we had a couple decent, like, we had a couple good shows in Philly, but for us, a good show in Philly was, like, 40 people being really excited, you know? like we, So Philly didn't even really totally get it either. No, no. They're tough. That's a tough town to play for anybody, I feel like. Philly's real tough. You can't play any night but Saturday, I feel like. If you, like, if you try to play on Monday or Tuesday or even a Wednesday in Philly, it's... 
it's like, yeah, you're going to get 40 tops, you know? Yeah, um, Philly's pretty brutal. Yeah, it's a tough, yeah, tough one. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of not too, I mean, I don't know if it's a great comparison, but it's like the way Twisted Sister kind of like uh, did their thing in Long Island in New York and kind of came up as this local thing, but they never were giant outside of New York. But, I mean, they obviously built this whole thing up and then got signed i don't know there's just something i don't know if you ever watched the documentary about their success it's, it's, I, it's a good one i would love to see that it's i not am too, a fan i don't really know the details of their story. yeah it's just a new york city band that came up playing the saloons and roadhouses of long island and like you know connecticut and and around upstate new york and and not really focusing on uh manhattan or new york city central right um but uh, so it kind of reminds me of how, like, you know, you know, you have this this intense history in Pittsburgh. Uh, but outside of it, it's it's because it is such a it's funny. It's not necessarily like a Pittsburgh thing, because because when you go to California or certain place or Florida or some of these places, I think you have these like really serious fans of Grand Buffet, you know, that have never been to Pittsburgh before that don't really get maybe some of the humor that is really that comes from the city too that like is in your music yeah and yeah i mean that's uh is that like a fair assessment or no i, th I think that's dead nuts on i think that is right on um hmm. i mean and that you know and that shit always got me still to this day gets me super duper psyched um i don't know there was a video floating around the internet i think these were cali kids but like young ass kids, like they look like high school kids covering Benjamin Franklin music. Really? With with a live band. Whoa. Like in a garage and just and like murdering it. Like wow, they must man. have transcribed like every lyric and they, it was so fucking cool. And like and they finished the song and they were just like, That was sick. Like, yeah, that was sick. <laughs> it's like that shit's pretty wild. Do you think that's probably become like your guys' most um beloved song by the fans? something about that song benjamin franklin music i remember when i heard it for the first time and having already the the perspective of all the material that came from it because basically you know i was this was all after the eps and after the debut album and stuff like that right it was uh no which record was on was undercover on pittsburgh hearts right so the last of the three yeah eps yeah, yeah. but that's got to be the one where people i would think at this point in time not knowing, uh, you know, when the last time you guys did a show was, but you must close with that thing now at this point in time, right? Yeah, you know, it's funny because, like, so many shows we did were, like, were other bands' shows, you know? Right. So we would kind of, we would kind of... Uh, oh, right, so you didn't have, like, a long set. We'd play a lot of short sets. I mean, we always dug short sets, not out of laziness, just a, it's an aesthetic thing. Like, a lot of times, short sets are, I think, more Im impactful than... Sure. They can be if they're done right. But uh but we used to fuck around a little bit, you know, like uh a chunk of shows we did with Montreal. Amazing band. Uh also yes. band we're greatly indebted to. Um but we opened and closed the set with Benjamin Franklin <laughs> music. That's so fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean yeah, that is that's what I that's one of my personal favorite tracks. Um, what was it like making that? How did you guys come about making that song? That was that was a true collaboration. It's like uh, Jackson had bits and pieces of the, of the verse down, and he had 
like he basically just recorded some synth riffs that's that are the foundation of the song and he kind of gave them to me and we like that was one of the it's this is a whole other tangent i don't want to go too deeply into but okay like, no problem we you know jackson and i love each other like family but like a lot of times it's just uh, us sitting in a room trying to write music together just did not go smoothly really we'd have we'd take a step back and work on shit independently right right and then reconvene um that toward toward the the last album we put out that was the only way that we that we did so it was the only way we could do stuff so um, workshop it sort of individually and then what when it's time to put vocals on it then yeah we yeah it's not like we couldn't be in the same room when it was time to record but as far as like trying to write stuff it just became more of a you know you fuck with shit i'll fuck with shit we'll we'll check in with each other and kind of keep right. piecemealing stuff and that's you know if the end result's good that's fine but benjamin franklin music um you know we sat in a room and like busted it out you know like fucked around with melodies and like yeah i mean the um, chorus or the bridge or whatever it was is yeah it's infectious man respect respect yeah that that song was like was a was a true like collaboration i mean they, they were all collaborations but that was i feel a much more like organic yeah kind of like that okay we were both we were both having a good day and that that was the result you know right 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 um yeah i love that song i mean uh there's so many too and we don't i don't necessarily want to get deep into the minutia of the catalog but there is something to be said just about the recorded material because it is its own thing you know and it's funny we were uh after i did the conversation with jackson um we started talking about random stuff and um and we started talking about slaves with spanky mm. um which uh, i think you later did was a part of uh shark tank right yeah be rich that yeah was, that was his band i stayed with them in kingston one time they booked me for a show in kingston ontario i remember time. putting you in touch with them yeah for culturama yeah. i played mm -hmm. my culturama videos yep this is probably 2002 or three yeah and because i was on a little tour it's crazy to think that i even toured with that thing now i should have stuck with that shit you can uh, always get back on the horse, right. man. I think so. Maybe we'll see. Now option. I got this thing. I got the, this podcast. Maybe Just saying it's an option, right? And yeah, I stayed with them, but they—I uh, remember they were definitely like. I think we bonded too because we were both big fans. But they had their group was you know, obviously inspired by Grandma Faye style of like uh, sensibility towards songwriting and shit. Um, yeah, it's funny, man. Like. um this is not a diss at all because like B. Rich is one of my best friends and like I I have full respect for Slaves of Spanky but to be completely honest it's like they're the album they hit me off with whenever back in the day just like it was like you know it's tight but it just didn't get me like super fired up that's not a diss it's just like no, I feel you it's you all know, good it didn't resonate with me in a way that was just like it's like oh these are cool dudes and I'm psyched that they're doing their thing but like you're probably not going to catch me in the whip like blasting this shit um and then be rich just like before we got to a level of being like homeboys um he would pop up at at shows like canadian dudes i guess just love to travel and like they do it a lot so he would pop up at a sh he's from kingston which is outside of uh it's like i guess uh, like between toronto and um in ottawa yeah yeah it's not necessarily like a suburb i don't think but it's a small 
city that's on that highway, I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wait, is it Ottawa or is it between... Yeah, you're probably right. I think so. I've been I mean, there a bunch, it's in Ontario. Um, it's definitely in Ontario. <laughs> yeah, sure. I think it's north of Toronto now. Northeast, I think. Yeah. Is that toward Ottawa? I was like, yeah. You would be driving. Say you were playing Montreal, and you were driving yeah. from Toronto to Montreal. You would pass through Kingston, then you'd pass through Ottawa, and then, then you eventually you get to Montreal. Okay, respect. Yeah, um, for sure. So, but yeah. So, what's the story with Shark Tank, though? Like well, that—that's a whole different project of yours the whole different thing uh it, you did a few albums right yeah, yeah yeah um we actually have a new john dropping do you want me to hold this for a minute no no no, no, no all right all right that's what's up um and your lady gave me this delicious bowl of food but i, I don't want to compromise the interview let's keep it moving man let's keep it moving um so be rich had uh like it just it went like he would pop up in different spots. So he popped up in fucking Vancouver. He popped up in San Diego. Like he popped up in the Berg. Like he was just wow. The dude loved to, tra- to travel. Like he you know he worked hard doing like this construction and this painting and just you know and he would like save up his chips and he would travel. That is still what he does pretty much. Like he just got back from like fucking Bahamas or something. Okay. Um. So he would just pop up at shows and he's just like get to meet him, get to talk to him. All oh, this dude's cool. Played with Slaves of Sminky, like, oh, yeah, great guys, great guys. And, but then at one point, I mean, I'm not going to front. I don't remember the exact date um, or even the year. But at one point, B. Rich hit me off with, like, with a CD that was just that was his solo shit. It wasn't Slaves of Spanky. And it was like, wait a minute. Like, I thought this dude was, like, a cool, just, like, a good time Charlie. You know, <laughs> Slaves of Spanky, they're, they're, like, a fun party band. They right. drink a lot of beer. They smoke a lot of darts. Like, but no, like, this dude's, like, fucking nice on the mic really oh i didn't know yeah like this dude's like fucking nice on the mic so um i don't know 2008 i want to say it was height and i just got psyched on like we we should do a side project like we had collaborated we had done songs together yeah shitload of shows winterize the game yeah yeah that's his album heights album right yeah that was my I don't want to say that, your solo? that was my little attempt to at trying to get a label off the ground. That was the one official release I had. What um, was the name of the label? Grand Man. Oh, yes. I haven't hung that up in my mind. Like that's cool. still I'd like to make that more of a thing someday. But uh, but so Height and I like we want to do a side project. We want it to be legit, um, you know, like kind of on some. Uh, I don't know, maybe some treacherous three or like, you know, we want, we oh. want, we want a group. We want there to be a group. We want like different hip hop shit in mind. Yes. Yes. You know, um, a little more focused, a little more focused on coming rappy as opposed to just coming. However the fuck. And it's sort of like, you know, and Mickey free, very talented Mick free from Baltimore. Um, it's like, yeah, well be me, be hype, be Mick free. It's like, we need someone else in the group. I was like, should we holler at be rich? And it was just like, yeah, and it's kind of I'm sure I'm sure B Rich's account would probably be more accurate, but the way I recall it, it was basically like Height sent him an email and was just like, "You're you're in a group now with like with Lord Grunge and me and and our buddy Mickey." And he's kind of like, "Okay, tight." And it was like, uh, "Like, can you come to Baltimore to like like the album's kind of done? Could you come to Baltimore and just like." finish the album and it was kind of like wow all right yeah fuck yeah bud and like that's pretty <laughs> that's much, a great uh impression that's pretty much how it went down like there were a couple i don't know a flight got canceled because of snow but the, the, when all was said and done height and mickey and i had kind of been chipping away on this album for about a year and then beerish just 
popped into the B for a few days and like finished the, and it was just like, it was, it was, it was awesome. You know, Dope. it was like tight. These, these, these are my boys and we're vibing and we're fucking banging out tunes and it's fucking fun as shit. And like, so how many projects has it been now? How many records has it been? That you guys uh, three albums. Okay, cool. Have a fourth one drop in this. Summer. Yes. It's fucked up because the group, the group was conceived in 2008 like the members were assigned their duties and most of the album was recorded in 2008 into nine we didn't drop the album until 2011 for whatever reason you right. were busy but it's like by then the goddamn tv show was a thing so it's like it's impossible now to explain what's the show shark tank oh yeah <laughs> it's impossible right. now to explain to cats like no you don't understand like we were already a group it's like well yeah but your album came out like two years after the show premiered it's like no but you don't understand we're already so i don't know man and uh i mean it's not like we're being hit with the cease and desist it's just kind of like i feel like it it's almost like if you put a band together now and we're like you know we, we got this tight new group we got the jump off we're called star wars you know what <laughs> right. i mean it's just like it's, it's just stuck in this fucking limbo where it's like we're not big up in the goddamn show. Like, I don't give a fuck about yeah. it. Well, people... People uh, love the show. And it's they it's all good, yeah. but, like, I don't... And it's just... It's in everyone in the past, like... I don't know. Three years, I've hip to the group. It's like, oh, wait. Isn't that a TV show? Mm. It's just like, well, yeah, goddamn oh, it. So, I don't know, man. I almost feel like... I'm psyched that it's still a thing. That we, you know, we have three albums, all of which I'm very psyched on. And the Be Rich track, we... Uh, the second album, the last track, was a, was a little bonus track. And it was Be Rich doing this kind of... I don't know if you heard it, this out for a rip. This is... Nah. This is him big up in Canada. Doing it in, like, a Canadian accent, real thick and all this shit. Okay. That one song... I... Th- I don't know if it went the Canadian version of either gold or platinum. Really? That one song sold like something retarded, like 90,000 fucking MP3s or wow. however they do it up in the great way. Right. Huh. Okay. Yeah. That's and you were on it. Well, I produced it. I'm not on it. That's the, like, that's the one song on the album that I'm not on pretty much. So I kind of like, fuck, but, but, but you produced it. That's great. Yeah. 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 It's, it's been fire. Um, and be, Have you, you seen know, some residuals? Yeah, yeah, which is tight. I mean, B. Rich has definitely was able to kind of parlay that into the solo career in Canada, which is really fire. yeah. I mean, I, I I believe he's still he's still holding down the day job. You know, it's not like he's just well, sure like backstroking in the mountain of cocaine type situation. But like he's right. I mean, he hits the road and like cats come out to see him and. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy that track just came, became like a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, that's what's up. Crazy, barren ass country. What? <laughs> what's up with these lawnmowers? That's a phenomenon in this town, man. Because I just mowed my my girlfriend's mother's lawn with that same one, and then I drove here and I saw someone had that. Does everyone has push lawnmowers in Pittsburgh? What's up? I'll tell you that hearing about that one makes it a total of two that I know of. Oh, <laughs> so, really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. No, we just went old school. We've been stressing the, I mean, I love a good gas-powered mower, but we don't have a lot of gas. Man. Right. You know, we're up in the cut. Yeah. So I just wanted to go old school. Yeah, I like it. Okay, cool. I was just staring at that for a second, and I realized. Um, 
So then what, I mean, uh, you know, circling back to Grand Buffet, I mean, uh, you obviously have like a newborn child, yeah. a beautiful baby girl, and um, and uh, a demanding job. So really quickly, so people know, like, I don't know if you want to talk about your work at all, but I mean... I mean, you want to acknowledge it? Or? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's more. It's kind of a one-way street. Like I feel like I can rep working in EMS as Lord Grunge, but I pretty much leave the Lord Grunge at the door when I'm doing my thing in EMS. So uh, I would think that's probably the right move. Right yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, no one gives a fuck at all. <laughs> like I remember, I don't know, man. Just a little anecdote, like walking into the station you know on the big bay with the ambulances parked walking in it's a couple younger women uh paramedics is hanging out chilling it's like like oh jared haven't seen you in a while like what's going on it's like oh you know actually my band my band's playing a show and it's like they kind of look at each other and they kind of laugh and they're like his band's playing a show and like that was it that was the end of the conversation there was no like you have a band or like right where are you playing no just like it was like it was comparable to as if i had said like well uh i wore a diaper to work today and i just pooped in my pants they would have gotten the exact same like a really stupid unfunny joke right would have elicited the same response as my saying like just very earnestly like my my band has a show People just don't give a fuck. Yeah, in that arena, yeah, the, the, someone's band is the last thing they, they care about. Yeah. yeah, they don't give a fuck. Um, and that's fine, man. That's fine. I'm not, like, that's totally cool. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, a job is a job, too. And, and Definitely. Uh, yeah. When was the last time you guys did, a like, a tour? It's been a while since. I know you've done a couple of sh- shows here and there sporadically, right? Yeah, we did a tour in, I want to say, it's so insane that it's, it will have been, I think, four years but uh like 2000 wait a minute man now i'm getting my ears muffed up again it was either 2012 going into 13 or it was 13 going into 14 so it's been long enough been a while it's been a while and that was and that was not a huge tour that was we did it a little over two weeks uh with our homie dan deacon oh right and that was fire like we'd known dan for years but we'd never really We'd never really toured together. I don't know that we'd ever actually even played a show together. Uh, but so, that yeah, that that was fire. Um, and that was kind of like, you know, it kind of seemed like... That was also on the uh, eve of Pittsburgh, Batman, the first run. I see, yeah. So it must have been 2012 going into 13. That's so fucking insane. Yeah, because around like that period of time, you did like a succession of bigger tours, like supporting bigger acts, right? Leading up to that, there right. was kind of there was kind of a period of of not shit happening. And um, then was there a, uh, a definitive agreement between the two? Like, all right, we're gonna take a hiatus, we're gonna take a break, or we just just shit happened. It was never really sussed out. Like I remember Jackson telling me he was going to look into getting a day job. And I had kind of already been fucking with these day jobs. Nothing serious. Like, I was working as a bouncer for a minute. Oh, were you? Bouncer slash doorman. And did little kind of diddly shit. But he basically said he was going to try to find a day job. And we didn't really discuss it any more than that. 
and that was pretty much just how it right, how right. it was left um and you know offers for a while a lot of offers came in and we just we ended up not doing most of them you know uh it wasn't like the phone was ringing off the hook but it yeah. was just, but it, you know and that, that's the thing and it's like and i'm sure jackson realizes this but it's like the thing that kind of that i get a little vexed about sometimes is it's just like the offers will eventually stop completely you know what i mean like if you don't keep doing something yeah you the know, pot has to be stirred occasionally occasionally you know um even during a break i mean even if it's to do side projects or you know totally totally and, and you know and the thing is man it's like i mean they're like hugely successful bands and you have like when individual members try to set off that sometimes it just falls completely flat oh yeah so it's like you know well grand buffet definitely i, I would say i would give us dab say an important band um in terms of numbers, not a hugely successful band. Yeah, you know but I, I mean? think that like, I think if the think the people that really care about this group the most uh, are ambivalent to numbers. You know, like the, oh, the ones yeah. that the group connects with the most aren't people that are. Yeah, it just doesn't register with them. Definitely, you know? and that's I, I guess I'm just talking in terms of logistics, right? You know, um, where it's like uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example. I remember our homie. BP Helium, who I don't think he's currently playing in of Montreal. I'm actually not sure. But he was like a staple member of the group for a long time when they, they were like killing it. You know, 2000, I guess like five, six, they were just fucking popping. Yeah. Um, you know, and they finished up this massive tour, this hugely successful tour. And then BP like booked a little little solo run. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't remember that. Yeah, like not even, I don't know, a month after this giant successful tour. And it was like they... They played Pittsburgh, and it was like maybe 13, 14 people. Wow. And it's just like, motherfucker. It's like, you just, it's, it's brutal. You know, it's yeah. brutal. Um, and that's not, that's not a knock on my man, sure. Helium, but it's like that comes into mind is it's like he was in this band that was very, it was fire, fire hot at the time. Right. Like, and, and like he had, you know, he was like a seminal member of the band. He had fans, he had people checking for him. It wasn't just like he was this faceless, dude with an axe like and even still it was just like at least the pittsburgh show was like pretty fucked up you know so i mean i kind of feel like it's just in terms like i i'd love to see gb blaze again in whatever context whether it's one more show or one anything at all i'm I'm game but i almost feel like that as far as uh as far as trying to parlay it into into anything more than a i don't like the term hobby for for music but like it's yeah Anything more than than just than a than a kind of a side project, like a life side project. I mean, I almost feel like at this point it would kind of be starting anew, mm-hmm. you know. And that's like to just because. I mean, it's not that we don't still have people checking for Grandma Faye. I'm sure there are some, but uh, it's, yeah, when you start turning over those rocks, you never know. And you know, also uh, there is something to be said when like generations sort of shift over and then you have a oh, new yeah. new crop of people too Definitely. well okay because so you know try to wrap this up a little bit although like i could um sit and chat with you for a long time because it's been a long time since i've seen you it's been it's kind of a yeah. double whammy it's kind yeah. of us catching up while trying to come with the the gb narrative so i feel yeah. like it's, it's a lot it's a lot to try to yeah especially in the context of one 
conversation uh, on the front porch, you know. Yeah. Um, but one, I really appreciate your time because I know it's been tricky. I can't. I'm, I'm actually pretty amazed that I was able to talk to both you and uh, Mrs. Paintbrush in the same trip and do it and have this kind of be this thing. Which, because you know, first and foremost, I, I mean, and you probably know this by now, but I've always loved. I love this group. I mean, I love Grand Buffet. I've loved to put them on, put people onto the group, and the, the handful of shows that we did and the you know even the herb article and uh, the uh, culturama shit oh, so yeah. it's always just wanted to spread the word because i always thought it was just this uh, i thought you guys are brilliant comedic minds you know and and somehow fusing in with like this kind of very unique like hip-hop sort of sensibility and shit but there's like a whole like hard rock thing too so it's just it's kind of Hard to quantify, but anyway, um, yeah. So I've always, I just appreciate your time, basically. Respect, man. Yeah. Respect. Like I, you know, you've been a, a champion of the GB. Oh, no question. Time. Yeah, and, and we'll remain too. Yeah. Respect. So respect. do you? Yeah. So I guess I mean this is pretty nebulous too. Um, like, where do you see like now looking back, like after a kind of you know hard hitting maybe ten years of touring. And, and releasing stuff and, and and pushing through like during this sort of kind of challenging era of like the DIY era of, of music of physical music you know like kind of pre-digital distribution pre uh, the kind of advent of smartphones and like kind of uh, you know sophisticated camera technology you guys were banging it out with like limited resources so looking back at the legacy of this group like are you like uh, how how do you view it like are you happy with the stuff you guys have done up to this point like um, I know that might be like kind of like a like a relative question but um, I mean I'm definitely you know I'm very proud of what of what GB was able to accomplish um, you know if I had a gripe you know, I mean, I, I I could drum one up, but I kind of feel like the short answer to that question is like I'm I'm super psyched on what we accomplished. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if uh, you know, if horrible shit happens to one of us, and then like then it's no longer an option for us to blaze his GB again. Um, I could say like I'm real fired up about. I feel like it was time well spent. You know? Yeah. Um, super psyched on the catalog you know again i hope to add to it someday but if that doesn't happen i'm super psyched on on what already exists um you know and definitely very psyched on on the years on the road i mean you know it, they were at times brutal i mean it wasn't was by no means a cakewalk no um, touring across america and europe which you did um so many times, especially if you're doing it in an astro van, a lot of the times too, like in yeah. your own vehicle. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, man. Definitely, definitely. You know, and it's like in it. I used to get really annoyed when I hear bands bitch about how tough the road is, but it's like you know, it it, it takes its toll. It's it, there's there's a grit factor, you know, like you said, especially doing it doing it in vans and rental cars as opposed to doing it like 
with these buses and right. shit. And um, you've done both. I mean, you've done them yeah, all, right? Yeah, we've, I mean, we've, we've dabbled. We've dabbled in the, in the bigger scale stuff. Um, but uh, it's, you know, it, it's weird. Like, when I, was, when I was a few years younger, like, when I was in my early 30s, which is, it's crazy to think, but it's kind of when things started to, I guess, slow down, you know. Um, Jackson was pretty burned out with touring. I'm not saying I wasn't, but I kind of feel like he had sort of hit a wall, you know. Um, I don't know. I'm curious to see what, what his thoughts on it are. But, I mean, you know, I was 31, 32, and things were really slowing down. It was like, all right, the, the years of dodging the day job, not even dodging it, not needing it, you know, it's like, right. gotta, gotta bite the bullet, cop this day job. Um, I was like very, for, for a brief period, like very self-conscious about like, oh shit, man, like, you know, I, I thought I'd be doing it so big at, at this stage in my life. Um, and it really stressed me the fuck out, but, but that didn't really last long. You know what I mean? Like it just, I don't know. Um, I feel now, even though it's like, uh, you know, being a parent is such a wild mind fuck in a, in a way that is awesome. Like right. in a way that is fire. I could never imagine how fire it is. Like, but it, but it's still a mind fuck. Like I don't have my brain wrapped around the fact that like, that I have a daughter and she's like posted up inside eating crackers, probably, you know, something wild, some wild shit. <laughs> um, but so it's like, yeah, I mean, could, could GB like become once again, the fucking, like the road warrior entity that it was, it's like, no, at the moment we couldn't, you know, I mean, I can't, I can't disappear for six months. Oh, well, of course, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, but I feel like GB could become, it could evolve into another thing. Yeah, I absolutely think so. You know, I think there is a second life that awaits uh, this group. You know? I, I it gets me psyched to hear you say that, but I but I feel like that is there if we choose to like activate it or pursue it. I feel like absolutely, it's there, you know. Um, but it's it, you know, it's got to be a it's got to be a two man decision to to fire it up. You know. Yeah. Um, no question. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I you know I don't think I mention my homie yet which is wild but dj jester who and this is not to undermine because we had a brief run of shows with dj thanksgiving brown <laughs> yeah. um thank you and i appreciate that and it, yeah, it nope. was it was fire i know we had talked for a minute about trying to do do a longer run together which which would have been badass yeah that would have been a lot of fun a lot of laughs yeah sure. definitely in like oh four um but you know uh Ended up linking up with DJ Jester. And yeah, did. who's an incredible DJ. Too. He, he's awesome and su such a badass dude. Like such a beautiful dude. Um, but he's he's kind of like in a in a very understated but like important way. He's kind of like kept kept the coals hot. I feel like for Gene. really. I, I feel like he has. And again, that doesn't mean that anything can happen, or it doesn't mean anything will happen necessarily. But it's like. He's kind of, you know, he's like a little devil on my shoulder, kind of. With is he still in Texas? Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and I, I feel like in a different way, he's probably still like a little devil on Jackson's shoulder too, you know, where it's just sort of like, you know, just I can hear him sometimes saying like, 
you know you want to tour man like you know you want to record man just do it man just do it and uh you know and i feel like because i mean he was a dude who we we had a lot of cats over not a lot there are, there are a handful of cats over the years who like who uh who saddled up as dj for grand buffet one of whom was you um respect but with you know with jester it was definitely a commitment i mean we were in the van with that dude for the for the better part of uh better part of two years like oh wow oh yeah. five through oh seven yeah like we did a lot of touring man i want to say i don't think i'm pulling this number out of my ass i want to say in 2005 we did something like 160 shows or something wow, crazy man. and then six and seven it wasn't that many uh numbers of actual shows but we were still on tour for months months you know just blocks like you know so some what was the you did third eye blind during that time that was later that was actually in in two in 2008 when our homie girl talk was was really killing it really doing it big um you know because we had put him on as an opener for some stuff back in the day and it was kind of like it was cool it was him kind of like like respect return of the favor do you guys want to hop on right um so we, we did a lot of shows with him over that time one was a big chunk of touring a lot of it was these one-offs uh you know it was super cool um but that kind of that led to us linking up with the cats from third eye blind which was <laughs> kind of a long story the, the short version is um the drummer brad who is an original member he's one of only two original members of third eye blind uh he was in this other band called Year Long Disaster, and these motherfuckers were incredible. Like, just really? mind-blowingly fucking good. And we played, GB played one show with them in St. Louis. Don't remember the name of the venue, but just, it was, I see a lot of bands on the road appreciate almost all of them in one way or the other. But at that point, it was like to see a band that just blew my fucking brains out. It hadn't happened in a minute. Right. It was like, holy shit. You know, cop the CD really didn't seem did not seem like they were checking for GB at all. It was kind of like they were like, eh, whatever. But like, you know, cop the album. Love the album. Um, so later that year, no, I'm sorry, it was a full year later. It was a year later. Gillis put us on uh, as direct support for him at this show in uh, some fucked up show at some college in West Virginia. Um, his fans are fucking turds. But uh, that's no diss on him. He's the man. But like, yeah, it's, a, it's almost like a Wesley Willis scenario, just on a much bigger scale. And, right. and girl talk isn't schizophrenic, but like, <laughs> just like a lot of motherfuckers, just busters come out to represent. Um, but it was like this big ass college show, with like all these fucking bands, like Kelly Pickler and like mm. all these motherfuckers, and like Third Eye Blind was playing. It was like you know, and, I, and I'm a fan. Like I. I'm a fan. I dig a lot of. I dig a lot of pop shit. I dig a lot yeah. of. And I was kind of like, that's pretty fucking wild, man. So like, we had played. I think Gillis was just like getting off stage, and we were all kind of posted up in the green room, and like fucking Stephen Jenkins like sticks his head in the door, and it was just like, like girl talk. It's like I saw you two nights ago in Brooklyn. Stephen Jenkins doesn't really talk like. Uh, Rip Taylor, I just, you know, <laughs> that's how I'm remembering it for uh -huh. some reason. And then, uh, and then I kind of like, they were talking, I, yeah, they, he had, he was in Brooklyn and they had seen him there. They were there fucking around and they saw him play. And so I just kind of like let them rap and just kind of politely went up and was just like, 
you know, Jenkins. Like, I'm a big fucking fan, man. And uh, and the drummer, Brad, was there and was just like, like yeah, like, Grand Buffet. Like, we played with you guys in... And I was like, he's like, my other band, Year Long Disaster. It's like, we played with you guys in St. Louis. Mm. And Stephen Jenkins was like, you're the guy from Grand Buffet? <laughs> and it was just like, nice. Like, <laughs> SJ knows who the fuck Grand Buffet is. Like, Word. He was balls deep in Charlie staring, dude. Like, I don't care. I don't. People can hate all they want. Those, those dudes rule. They fucking rule. Um, not just because of that. That's me being crass. And mm. I shouldn't say shit like that. I'm a father now. But uh, um, but they rule, you know. And we, yeah, uh, a few months later, their agent called us and was like, got an opportunity. And at this point, you know, things with GB had really kind of, uh, it was, the vibes were not so good. I mean, without without going into too much detail, like it, it was very much like, you know, we were both still kind of chained to it because it was it was our only job at that point. Right, right, sure. You know, it's a lot of stress that comes with that. Totally, and like, and when you know, even at our peak, we were never a fucking, we were never a money tree. You know, it's right, like right. even when we were doing it pretty big, it's like times were still kind of tough. You know, um, I hate to sound like I'm pissing and moaning because I'm not, but it's just like you got to let the chips fall where they might. Um, but so at that time, it was really kind of like, you know, not getting along so well, not wanting to be in a van with each other for another month, two months, whatever. And then when that call came, it was kind of like, we can't not do this tour. Like the fucking insanity of. And I, I know that Third Eye Blind isn't, you know, they're not the household name level of huge that they were. But sure. those dudes have persevered in a way that is really fucking impressive. And, like, they still, they have fans coming out of their asses. And um, and that was a big fucking tour. Uh, and that was... that Were was you direct support? Man. We were. Wow. We were for, uh, say it was about three weeks. Wow. And then, we, you know, we that took us from, uh, took us from the Med- Midwest out to the West Coast. And then we ended up booking our own shit to kind of get us back to, to come the back home. Right. Yeah, so that that was wow. fire, you know. And that, that uh, you know, it definitely it breathed some uh, some life back into GB. But at the same time, it, it, we were still at that time where I think things needed to kind of go on pause for right, a right. You know. Well, man, I mean, that's, uh, I know I wanted to, I, I meant to, I wanted to ask that story. Um, and it's funny talking about how, since we haven't talked in so long, catching up, we, I, I could, we could keep doing this for hours yeah, and stuff where yeah. I would just be like, what? I thought I remember hearing this about this because that we didn't even ask, I didn't even ask you about Kid Rock and I know you did some shows with Kid Rock and, and, um, Head PE too, I think. Did you do Head PE? Never played with Head PE. Oh, okay. Um, Something similar though, right? Well, not see now. I'm trying to think. Two skinny J's. Oh yeah. Okay. There, there. Yeah, there was a minute where like still no one was checking for us in Pittsburgh, but we, I was enough of a fucking hustler that I got in good with some of the bigger promoters because they would give me. This wasn't really a pay-to-play thing. It, it, it's just—it's like a rite of passage. People bitch about it, but you know, local lo- local opener. You know, here's fifty tickets. See, show right. me what you can do. And I—I I got very good at selling fifty tickets. You know, 
did I buy seven or eight myself? You know what I mean? Did my dad buy a few? But I got very good at moving 50 tickets and, you know, maybe moving 100 <laughs> tickets. Right. So, like, we got we got to be it's, – it's just kind of funny because, you know, requisitely bands that were established locally that, that could draw got these tight opening slots where I was kind of like, nah, fuck that, like – Give me the tickets. I'll give you the money. We'll right. we'll make it happen. That's some true hustler uh, shit, right? Yeah, there. I, I I I busted my little my little hump, man. Um, but so yeah, we got to uh, you know, it was and being a local opener in and of itself is kind of a depressing thing. Like it's not really, oh sure, it's not really something you want to like be telling the seed about. Like <laughs> you know, back in no. the day, I uh, I bought a bunch of tickets to my own band so I could open for Kid Rock. You know, yeah, and the all. crowd fucking hated us. Yeah. <laughs> but uh. The, the one show that uh, really came from, um, or that I feel like really dope shit came from was uh, we opened for Cool Keith when he came through the bird. Nice. And that was just like, in and of itself, like little dream come true. Sure. One of the masters, one of my personal favorites, and like, uh, that was fire. Dope. Crowd was 50-50. That was, like, it was very volatile. Like, cats were really down, and then cats were like violently hating. So it was cool. It was cool. <laughs> And that's what I love. Yeah, I think that's one of the big things I always loved about you guys is that you're able the level of like re resiliency, like on stage when it comes to a crowd reaction, has always been like really admirable to see how you would. You, I mean, I don't know how it felt when once you got off stage when you're absorbing, you know, all types of different people's reactions, whether it's like hate or love, but like. Uh, you guys seem to power through it so well and, and make it seem so effortless, you know, dealing with like whatever, if the crowd sucked or not, you know, I, 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 uh, I humbly acknowledge that. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like that was kind of, that was one of our superpowers. It was yeah, like, it undoubtedly. Just, and, and that definitely came from, I think from cutting our teeth in, in the bird. You know, like during the time that we did, you know, sure. the late 90s, um, you know, you can you can be as artsy or experimental or as as whatever as you want. But like in the 90s, if you were a white dude spitting raps, it was like you just you, you were going to you were going to get hate. Yeah. You were going to get hate from from black cats and from white cats like you were just going to get fucking hate. And like and that definitely. uh it, it seems crazy now. I feel like kids, not kids, like adults, like twenty five, would be like bullshit, man. Like, it, but it's like, yeah, it was, it was a different time, you know. It was, oh, absolutely, it was very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, and I do feel like we, we were kind of, uh, you know, we were, we were carved out of fucking, we were carved out of wood, you know. By the time we, uh, like, by the time we opened for Cool Keith when he came through the Berg, it's like, yeah, those cats could have fucking. They didn't have shit. You know, I mean, the haters is just like, you suck. It's like, that's nothing. Like, that's nothing. You know? Um, yeah, definitely. So. Well, listen, man, I appreciate so much uh, your time doing this with me, man. And Dude, it's a pleasure. It's yeah. wonderful to see you. And uh, I'm psyched that you're keeping it moving. Thank you. And uh, yeah, man, uh, maybe we'll try to do the sequel sometime. Yeah, you maybe know? with the both of y'all. That might happen. Together. Uh, that's a tall order well <laughs> if anybody can try if anyone can make it happen it's you no doubt for sure cool thanks man appreciate it my pleasure that was awesome as fuck and I appreciate uh, all you guys uh, for listening tuning in to the houseless podcast my weekly podcast my name is Peter Agostin I'm the host and the producer of the show 
Um, and I gotta send uh, so much gratitude and thanks to Lord Grunge and Grand Buffet and Jackson for being a part of this special two-part series. It got me super uh, excited going back and listening to some of the the music and the albums, watching some of the music videos. If you haven't had a chance, seek out the old videos for both Candy Bars and Cool as Hell. Um, yeah, I mean, I think these guys are brilliant, and uh, I always have since the moment I saw them, and I wouldn't have uh, tracked them down if I didn't think so. So I hope that you guys, you know, if you if you're completely unaware of who they were, you know, you might seek out some of the material and uh, and find yourself uh, digging it. I mean, the live show was something to behold, um, that's for sure. And I hope uh, I miss seeing them live. I hope that at some point in time, we'll all have another opportunity too. And who knows, perhaps this very dual episode special uh, mini series of the house list uh, could have somehow been the uh, catalyst spark to make it all happen uh and uh i would be so pleased uh to be able to see these guys back on stage again so yeah uh, what else what else can i say please subscribe on on itunes if you if you listen to it on soundcloud uh just hit the like button or the repost button which i really appreciate if you if you're on soundcloud repost it on your page uh if you can or just copy and paste the link and send it to someone and um yeah thank you guys so much uh uh and just big love to the city of pittsburgh it's been very nice to be here and um and to my very special guest grandma Faye, for participating and you guys for listening thanks so much uh i could sit here and talk a lot about the group um but i hopefully all the stuff we covered in the two conversations really uh brings that point home I, I i regret sorely not bringing this up to lord grunge but he put out this tour only cd um back on one of their tours i think they only made a hundred of them where <clears throat> he it's stand-up comedians and these are like road comics that are uh, uh rel- are not that great and uh they did an album where they're heckling these guys but they're not like in the, in the audience they're like overdubbed <laughs> these heckles and i wish i asked them about it because that shit was so fucking brilliant i loved it so much i still own it um i got all my stuff from grandma face still so anyway yes i'm gonna close this out with one of his solo joints i'm trying to pick which one so he's put out two solo albums as well so seek those out if you can those might be a little harder to find but i'm going to pick something and because uh, i always thought this guy was a totally brilliant producer too the combination of the two guys with the with the kind of 808s and the synth stuff and uh, yeah just great shit i'm a fan as you can tell so yes thanks again so much and i'll catch you guys in the next episode of the house list all right y'all peace take care of one another be good all right later Should be at the age of four, my brother.